0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of Growing Up. We're a podcast about indoor farming, and I'm your host, Alison Koff. This episode features our guest, Henry Gordon-Smith, the urban agriculture consultant and founder of Agritecture. In this episode, we talk about all things urban farming, how cities can work with entrepreneurs, mistakes to watch out for, and a look into the future.
1: I'm really a cheerleader for the industry, so I believe in it, I support it, I talk about it, I share ideas about it. I've been doing that for several years through my blog. And yeah, relatively recently, I also help uh, serious entrepreneurs and organizations to develop their own urban farms. And what
0: does that, so what does a serious entrepreneur look like? like? What are you seeing from new folks getting into urban farming?
1: Yeah, I think like anybody that's offering something in this space is familiar with the amount of requests that come in. I want to build a vertical farm. I want to build a greenhouse. I want to build a, an operation that looks like this one. I read this, and I want to do that. And that's not enough. You know, When I say a serious entrepreneur, I say you need to understand what your budget is. You need to understand where you want to build your farm. You need to, above all, understand your customer. So what we do is we kind of let people inquire through our website and then we provide them with a form that actually helps them understand just how many questions they haven't asked themselves as a filter so that's what i mean i mean people who really and organizations as well right That really are interested in that so we've been we've been really lucky to work with some of uh i would say some of the most serious startups uh you know in the space in new york city and beyond
0: i feel like there's just such an uptick from not just entrepreneurs but also cities themselves Uh, Have you what have you been seeing from maybe the city side, but also what is what does volume look like for you for a year in terms of customers that are coming to looking to grow?
1: I mean, I'm I'm like you. I'm just I'm just uh, uh, not necessarily surprised, but excited by the volume and excitement in the space right now. Uh, In regards to cities, you know, it's been really interesting to see what Atlanta's done. First director of urban agriculture. They've directly connected urban agriculture with resiliency. I think that's a a step forward. And now actually, we're working with them, uh, is working with them to help do the second Aglanta Conference, so Mm -hmm. we're gonna be bridging smart cities uh, and agriculture together. So that's really exciting. So they're really pushing the boundaries of, of the various industries that agriculture could relate to. In Los Angeles, you've got the Los Angeles Cleantech Incubator that has an agriculture cluster now. Um, you know, there's investment coming to the space all across the West Coast for this. I mean, you've certainly heard about the Plenty and other investments mm-hmm. that have come in. Uh, so it's it's really getting it's really getting huge. And and I think that if you look at New York City, you know, on October 26th, there's a public hearing for uh, a comprehensive urban agriculture plan for the City of New York City. Um, that 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 they actually start to discuss what that would entail, available spaces. You know, really a lot of content and work and 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 money going into this in New York City. So. I 100% agree, and that's just the United States. If you look globally, <laughs> it's happening as well, as you know. So, you know, the volume of the requests is going up um, that I'm getting about our services. Uh, the, the, the regions that they're coming from is growing. You know, I think I think you're seeing increases across the board right now, and I think that's exciting, but I also think it's a bit um, concerning. You know, we need to grow the industry and the technologies relating to it responsibly and, and sustainably, and, and I think sometimes... Some of the excitement is hype, and that's why I say, you know, I I really like working with serious entrepreneurs.
0: What do you think, you know, talking a little bit about that side, what are the three biggest things maybe an entrepreneur who wants to get into the space, uh, what are the three errors that you've seen, you know, the three biggest errors that they make trying to enter the space?
1: Yeah, I think think number one that I see is just really not doing sufficient market research, Uh, really thinking about the size of the volume if you're if you're gonna be selling salad mix who are you competing with how big are they? are they I and mean, what's their presence and what's their branding and what's their distribution process and what is it going to be like for you to even stand up against them if you're um, you know if you're doing a smaller scale operation it's even harder you really need to identify that market very specifically so I think that's a big one I think once they start planning getting the numbers you know whether it's from books or uh, conferences or things they've seen, they start to crunch the numbers and they think, oh wow, I've got a great business here. But they haven't calculated, I would, I would just call this second category just miscalculated costs. Mm. And, and those costs are usually related to labor, uh, wastage of the products, so a product that isn't sold, a product that um, just doesn't make it because you're a new farmer. You know, some people miscalculate labor mm-hmm. and wastage a lot. And then I think those things really will help you determine your, your size and your scale. And that's going to help you determine your budget. And that is a huge question is what are you going to put in financially on your own and what do you have to raise? So, you know, I'd say that I think the difference between a vertical farm and a greenhouse, people don't really understand that in relation to their goals is another mistake that I see happening quite often. Do
0: you you find that people are like sort of um, on that front, like, oh, we've seen the greenhouse industry around for a really long time, and therefore it, it you know we can use a lot of that technology in the vertical farming industry? Is that sort of what you're alluding to? Or is it different? Is it like, I don't know.
1: It's different. It's like, yeah, I, I want to start a um, like a, a volume leafy greens mm-hmm. business. And, you know, I get it. I get why they think a vertical farm is going to be the solution to that. But very often a greenhouse is going to get you there, right? And a greenhouse, um, you know... It, might, might get you a really good business and it's gonna have a lower capex in a lot of ways. So, you know, sometimes they're not as attracted to that because they they don't really know much about agriculture itself, right? That's why they're talking to, to us. And so, you know, they don't really, they just it's just mismatched goals and miscalculated costs, you know? They, they, yeah. they see what a big farm is doing and they think that's amazing, that's exciting, that's so logical, that's so obvious, but the capital costs for vertical farm versus a greenhouse, I mean, they're significantly higher. So you have to make that money back by selling leafy greens, right today. So I think I think I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding about about how quickly the opportunity can pay back and about the costs of of getting started.
0: Yeah, and I love that i I uh, so I would love to talk a little bit about this leafy greens thing, right? So um, <laughs> so you know, a lot of people give leafy greens, you know, they're not going to save the world, it's not going to feed the world. But really, I look at a lot of the time as a market opportunity, right? You're seeing some of the shift that the tomato industry went through, where you went from Mm -hmm. field grown to indoor and protected ag, and and leafy greens has that opportunity as well. Um, and, And a lot of people in the vertical farming space, you gravitate immediately towards it because you're most likely in an urban area you most likely can get higher pricing and you can grow it vertically Um, so it tends to make a lot of sense i'm curious what your thoughts are on what comes next for vertical farming like okay let's say we get leafy greens and, and herbs right what what other opportunities are there in vertical farms if there are any and and how do you do that well
1: yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. I think on the first part of it, but I do want to say that I, you know, if you look at the Northeast, right, and there's it's still a huge market right, oh, yeah. on the herbs and the leafy greens, and, and you know that. So, it, there, you know, there's business there and there's opportunity. So I think there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense to grow leafy greens in vertical farms, not just the size of that market, but but I think that there's still opportunity there. Mm. Um, it was funny. I was at that recent um, investor, you know, ag tech event that happened at the pen club uh, a couple weeks ago mm. and and AeroFarms farms was speaking on a panel and gotham greens and brad from trait farms mm. so raj and, and david and, and they were all there and, and they were asked the question what crop is next you know what's going to happen next and i feel like i'd never really heard them all agree at the same time and it was really cool they all said strawberry yeah. within the next five years and so i thought that was interesting um so i think i you know, that, that that was kind of a confirmation of some things that we've talked about internally, and that was exciting. So I think I think that anything that can be fresh and where the flavor can really, is a noticeable difference, I think is going to be a win for, for a lot of urban agriculture, but especially high-tech urban agriculture.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I think um, strawberries are such an interesting crop as well. Uh, just off the bat, right, you have big companies that have committed to CEA and movement towards CEA, like Driscoll's. Um, when you mm-hmm. have that commitment from from the big folks, uh, it helps really move the industry forward in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think if we see more of that, it'll it'll helps helps some more. But yeah, I think those berries are on the horizon. Five <laughs> years, <laughs> they say. The experts say. <laughs>
0: um, I'd love to talk a little bit about. I mean, you're you're sort of the the urban ag guy, and I, I feel like in this industry. Um, there's always a lot of misconceptions about what indoor farming is, what is vertical farming, what is greenhouse farming, what is urban farming. Um, and i and I love that you've sort of taken this commitment towards urban communities and the urbanization i I'd love to hear your thoughts on what how or one I guess what is what are the, some of the challenges facing vertical farm? Uh, your customers, right? Vertical farming entrepreneurs who know what they're doing, who are interested in getting in the space, who are well-qualified maybe, um, but what are the challenges that they're gonna face coming into cities? Um, and then two, on the flip side, you know, maybe just the framing of what are the opportunities and how can cities and entrepreneurs start to begin to work together? I mean, you mentioned New York City and the Urban Ag Pro, uh, Comprehensive Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe mm-hmm. like tangible things that, that folks can do to, to move this industry forward.
1: Yeah, this is a great question. Yeah, so a lot of our clients, you know, they're just getting started, right? So they've usually done well on some other business, they have business sense and they're like, they wanna figure out urban agriculture. So, so my job is to help them navigate that, get them started. And so a lot of problems they face are really finding uh, a space to get started, you know? If they've never done this before, they probably understand that it's worth piloting. And so they might only need 10% of their full size of their facility mm. to get some product growing, to get something tested, to test with their first employees, you know, what's their unique approach, their SOPs, their food safety, all of that, and have a product they can go and say, you know, do you want to buy this product? Sign this agreement that you're going to buy this product, and then I'm going to build a larger facility, right? That's the responsible way to develop a farm if you've never farmed before, I think. And so, you know, to find that first space to get started is really difficult for 500,000 square feet, 22,000 square feet. Where the landlord's going to say, yeah, sure, take this space for a year, or maybe even sometimes six months is all they would want it for, and pile your technology, right? Oh, by the way, it's going to require a floor drain, and it's going to require, uh, you know, this this hole in the wall to get our product out to our van <laughs> or whatever. And it's going to require HVAC. It's going to require this much. You, how much electricity? electricity space yeah, how much electricity? Is this much. And the guy's like, what are you what are you doing here? You know, and you're like, oh, we going to build a hydroponic farm, right, and grow herbs. Right? It's, you know, that, that's kind of what happens with a lot of our clients, you know, when they're looking for spaces. And it varies, it varies between cities. So, so then you're looking for like this motivated landlord, but then you have to get into some kind of deal. So, so land, access to land is a difficult problem in urban agriculture. It's just, just the, the, you're competing with commercial and, and, and residential space. And, and that's difficult. So I think that's an ongoing one. I think access to talent is a difficult one as well. There's really not, there's a lot of talented growers in this country but there's not a lot that I would say I would recommend for a client um, to get started with right so um, you know when we found David Goldstein for farm one one of our clients the first commercial vertical farm in Manhattan you know we we knew he was the right fit because he had the, the creativity um, and the R&D training from his experience at Boswick farms mm-hmm. right they were building sculptures and open mindedness about new approaches to hydroponics it's not hundred percent solved and that there's something i can do here that is gonna be better for my the business we need that but then you also need somebody with the experience and 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 who can just grow plants commercially right consistently and can can stick to the habits and basics a lot of that usually comes from greenhouse training so so when i'm looking for talent in the space that's what i'm looking for it's very hard for them to find that because there's not enough opportunities for young people To get hands-on experience and the kind of hands-on experience Mm. that's going to accelerate them into the vertical farmers of the future, let's say, right? The the kind of work that's required to like three D farm and to do that well and commercially and in a respected and and food-safe way—that's really tough. So, access to to talent, I think, is is a a tougher one than a lot of people talk about enough. I think the energy problem is just a big one at, at scale. So when you start to design a larger farm and you're like, okay, you're going to convert a warehouse, you realize just how tough it is going to be to find that space in any real, real urban area. Um, so you start to get more peri-urban, and that's fine. There's lots of opportunities there, but a lot of our clients are, are very excited about being as close to the customer as possible, or, or or being, you know, quite a bit more urban. So those are some of the problems um, that they face, and I think. The issue of getting funding, right, because you have to pilot and then you have to prove it, it all kind of relates to each other. If you can't get started easily and if there's too many hoops, it's going to kind of scare everybody off, yourself included. And I think that if you look in New York City, the issues here are really in regards to understanding, right? What is a vertical farm? Is it inside of a building? Is it on the front of it? Is it on top mm-hmm. of it? And, and, and I think that affects different agencies in different ways. And, and so for them to all work together in a, in a huge and amazing city and chaotic city like New York City is, is very difficult when the subject is urban agriculture, which still might appear relatively small in its, its impact today and its potential impact. So what I say is, what, what I'm interested in doing for the city, and, and what I'll talk about a lot um, when I testify to city council on the 26th, is, is really there's an economic opportunity here, right? There's evidence that suggests that, that there's an economic driver um, that's pushing uh, entrepreneurs to develop these farms, there's pushing investment into this space, it's looking at pushing large companies to look at the potential for growing indoors. And you know, uh, what Indoor Ag economy they estimated at nine billion by 2020, I believe it was, I forgot what the numbers, but it's a large large number. What mm-hmm. is New York City's stake in that? And how are we as a city fostering the economic development potential of, uh, of growing food in and near the city? You know how are we how are we really doing that? I think that's the first, that that's one of the first questions that I would ask in the context uh, mm. of this. Mm. And 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 how can we do this responsibly, right? How can we incentivize this not blindly, but incentivize um, so that we can we can make this a, a hub for this, a leader in this, which which it is now, but it, it might not be forever if it doesn't incentivize it properly, right? You know how can we make this New York City the hub for tech, urban agriculture, sure, yeah. you know, vertical farming? How can you make it a hub for that? And I think it has to be done responsibly. I think that, that city leaders have a responsibility to their constituents, to the residents of New York City, to not incentivize things for any other reason but the greater benefit of that city. And so to understand that they need data, you know, uh, the kind of data uh, that you are involved in all the time a lot. So you know, what is the water being consumed actually? It's not enough to say 70% savings or 95% savings. We're beyond that, right? The vertical farming opportunity has been identified. Now people are trying it. Let's talk details. Let's talk about what water really is being consumed. Let's talk about the water that's being wasted and put back into the, the sewer system, potentially. What about that effect? Let's talk about labor. People say there's jobs in urban agriculture and vertical farming. Let's talk about how many jobs and how is it different in a soil-based urban farm versus a high-tech vertical farm. And what what is the role of automation in that? Let's just start to understand those numbers um, at, at the city level better. Let's understand... Um, you know, questions of equity relating to this or where the food is, is potentially going is being grown in these facilities. Is it really improving the food security of the city? And I'm not just trying to list out questions here. I'm talking about the real um, unknowns on the policy and city level that exist around urban agriculture still and and, and the various, various types of urban agriculture there are. So my suggestion is that New York City should create an incubator And not your typical incubator, Mm. but a space that basically allows for people to, uh, entrepreneurs that apply, really to iterate on their concepts, their technology. It could be a solution to urban agriculture. It could be something like that, or it could be an actual farm. And they have spaces that are designated so they can do this safely, uh, responsibly, affordably. And in exchange, they give the city some of their initial data, right, about how this Mm. affects the city. And then the city can incentivize it. So that as they grow and other other companies grow, there's it's easy for them to say this building makes sense for this, and this neighborhood is where we're going to give you a deal, and this is the is the kind of um, support we can offer you for the next few years. You know, they can't do that properly without that, and I think I think those subsidies are important, or those um, those paths of, of efficient development of urban farms are important to the city, and I think they need to do responsibly. So that's really my next mission if you will in regards to the city is just i I, you know i think they need the data and i think having an incubator and a place to pilot and get started would help help with that
0: and there's i mean there's models of success for this in other industries i think a lot of ag in general follow is following right now at least the path of clean energy and how you know solar even came to be with from business model and financing to um, sharing data to community driven to right. even accessing it in, in urban areas and, and accelerators like you're talking about. Um, so my recommendation just to pile on top
1: yeah, would be right.
0: would would really be right that like let's not reinvent wheels wherever possible um, if we can use some of these old you know older models or, um, or paths that really overlap.
1: Oh, I think that's great advice, even for for me, as I think about this incubator even further and what other people are interested. But yeah, like, let's let's look at what solar and these tech industries have done to accelerate it. Yeah. And it's yeah. yeah.
0: And it's funny, I think, um, you know, for any entrepreneurs who are listening, there is a few business models that were just even (laughs) discussed. So if anybody's (laughs) looking to be in the space, you know, somebody who is in real estate financing, the idea of creating a land bank opportunity within urban areas to finance spaces, that sounds, you know, that sounds to me like a, a clear path towards potential success in this space um you know being on the accelerator side and actually maybe we can we can segue this right into a little bit about ag tech x and some of the things that are going on on the incubator and accelerator side in new york um and then even on uh, you know the challenges side on the training side you know how do we actually find people who are um, who are this, this mystery candidate, right? The idea that you've been hydroponically and classically hydroponically mm-hmm. trained, but also have an open mind to innovation and, and maybe even automation and technology uh, and to vertical farming and things. And, and how do we even start to train the next generation of yes. vertical farmers, which now that we're starting to have early generation facilities that have been open for a few years, how do we get people in and trained and build a network of talent?
1: Yeah, let's talk about it so (laughs) so i don't know i think i think when i whenever young people say how can i break into the space i I don't know i say things like you need hands-on experience Mm -hmm. i wasn't taken seriously until i got hands-on experience you need a network and you need an archive and your archive is really this data on what's what's the reality what are the dollars per square foot and what is the impact i need to know you know i need to to have sources i need the evidence but yeah to be a grower in the space i think i mean i have huge respect for growers i think that's um, yeah, that's a tough one, but a very exciting place. My, you know, my advice would be to get a, a degree in horticulture from one of the the quality you know, universities that, that have CEA facilities: Cornell University, Arizona. I mean, there's really a lot um, that you can look into. Get that experience. Work in a commercial farm for at least a year, and then, you know, ideally two. And then you're a great candidate for for a job in a vertical farm if you can if you can show some creativity and that you've invented new approaches or optimized the greenhouse you worked in. You can tell that story, you can show that evidence. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for for the new companies that are are getting are starting vertical farming and other CA approaches.
0: Yeah, I think there's even an opportunity here for something um, like VR or AR um, because mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the universities even I mean even universities like Cornell and Arizona who have you know phenomenal controlled environment agriculture programs, still don't vertical farming isn't something that's taught yeah, yet because it's, it's not, so new. Yeah. Um, but the idea of supplementing with you know augmented reality or virtual reality as your education supplement of seeing a farm working in a farm, being in a farm, mm-hmm. you know touching the knobs, uh, running the <laughs> running the nutrient, you know, being able to do those types of things even virtually, I think there's probably a big opportunity there to help accelerate education as well.
1: Totally. I mean, I think at some point you should talk to Ryan Hooks from Huxley. You know, he's got a vision for that of using augmented reality for training, um, for really accelerating that. Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. I think, I think that, again, we have a lot of work to do in the meantime. But I think that, I think that's definitely part of this future and could be onto those training programs.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit. I mean, you've been involved with AgTechX,
1: right? Yes. 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 Maybe so tell me, tell me
0: a little bit about what's going on there, what it is, how it could tie into this incubation idea. <laughs>
1: Look, I'm, I'm completely gaga about this industry. You know, I feel like i found my place. So, I, you know, X is a really exciting opportunity for me to work with Ricky, uh, co-founder. You know, he was so excited about the space in the industry and had, had a lot of creative ideas to contribute. And, and he said, you know, we really need a community around this and a space where people can just get started. So it's almost like a really MVP version of this of this incubator in some ways. But it's really the first space where you can just go and rent a desk for a day, a week, or a month, uh, Get your hands on some hydroponic systems. There's five different hydroponic systems there. That while they're not commercial, they do teach different methods, and they allow you to be curious. They allow you to play with the knobs and experiment and observe. And I think that's something that so many urban dwellers have lost. I know I lost it until I, I I found vertical farming and CEA, and I and I got it back. But but I think that that's what this place is about, and and it comes from a real sincere uh, you know place for me because if it took me seven years to be in the place that I am now, I don't think it should take that long for other people mm. entering the space. I think we need to accelerate this quick, more quickly. And so if I can help break down some of those barriers for people to develop their careers, if they if they really want to do it, if they want to contribute and they're willing to spend some money to get a space or they're willing to spend their time to be around these systems and engage with it, then I want to make their lives easier. And and that's what it's about that's what it's about for me. So AgTech is exciting like that. And they have an amazing events. They now teach intro to hydroponics classes, thirty nine dollars. You can go in, learn the basics. So you don't even have to join. You can just start to just get what's happening and and what does this mean uh, for the city? And and, and it's really cool because it's a little storefront, and you walk by and you see, it and it's 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 it, and it's getting a lot of interest. Uh, mm. So it's, um, I'm really excited to see it develop.
0: We should start a class pass for Ag-related classes.
1: Oh, that's a great idea! it be like a variety. Yeah, a you, lot can, now.
0: yeah. you can like pop yeah. into Farm One or AgTech X or you know whatever whatever farm you might find in your local urban area and pop in for a class.
1: Yeah, that sounds good to me. People like it. You know, people walk by and they are like, "What's going on here?" and they want to learn about it, and they they spend the time you know, and they share it. It's it's great. It's great to create places like that in the city where people can share ideas and, and be around plants and greenery. I think it's a really good thing.
0: Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm curious. So we've talked a little bit about New York. Um, but I also know that you I mean, you spend your time all over the world. I'm, what are you seeing in other cities in other regions? Maybe, maybe not maybe like broadly asking, you know, what are, what are some good examples of cities that are doing really interesting things or innovators in other cities? Like, what are you seeing that's inspirational, I guess, around the world? And maybe talk a little bit about some of the other challenges also that are different. Maybe New York isn't, maybe New York's the most challenging and other areas are just crushing it, but I don't know that that's the case.
1: Yeah, I think, I think New York really is uh, still leading the way. Um, I think a lot of people come here and they think, if I can grow it here, I can grow it anywhere, and they mm-hmm. see this as a place to showcase their approach. Uh, and so I think that, that will continue to, to help it grow here. Um, let me think. Well, I'm going to New Zealand next month um, to talk with Horticulture New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have some interesting concerns in regards to urbanization. And so New Zealand is quite agriculturally rich, but they don't grow a lot of, uh, you know, vegetables and leafy greens, for example. It's, it's a lot of sheep and, and, mm. and those kinds of products. And so they're trying Wine. to diversify. Yeah, <laughs> trying to, try to diversify. And, and, and what's happening is the urbanization is encroaching on a lot of these farms just on the edge of the city, and they're concerned about it. So that's really the topic that I'm going to be speaking about there and what they're concerned about. And so, for me, there it's really about again understanding the impact. I feel like there's just not enough examples in New Zealand that they can utilize to understand how they can maybe integrate this to urban development, uh, because they don't have a lot of examples at smaller scale or urban scale. So, you know, it's hard for them to think of, uh, of anything else besides re- replacing a farm when they develop a community. Mm. So that can be changed, right? I think there's, there's education there that can shift that. Um, yeah, I think. If you look at, I mean, you were recently in Asia, but I think the issues there that I've noticed are really around uh, food safety and, and a rising demand by the middle class for quality products. You know, it's a different standard now. And I think that, that that's a different driver um, for this industry uh, than exists in other parts of the world. And I think quality isn't safety, I think, is, is a big thing I, I, I heard a lot of while, while I was in China. Um, you know, Europe to me, the drivers there are different. I think it's really about technology leadership um, and and the, the 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 subject of and their commitment to sustainability. I think that those two things are there, but they really want to be leaders in this. and and I think that that's where the innovation comes from, and that's where the experimentation comes from. But in the end, a lot of that is designed for export. I mean the, the I think a lot of the the the, the pricing on vegetable products there, don't lend themselves to commercially viable vertical farms, uh, in, in in my opinion, in a lot of cases, in a lot of parts of Europe. So I think it's a different driver there. I think it's about mm. developing the technology and exporting that, and and again, in some ways, connecting that that technology with the, the the future sustainable city, but not not so much in the sense of volume as as in the sense of, of exploring new technologies that might contribute to circular economies. Mm. And yeah, in the U.S., I think it's about I mean, the investment climate here is different, right? And so uh, it's about entrepreneurship, and it's about uh, the next generation. It's about this vision of baby boomers giving something back by developing a profitable business that also does good. I think there's a lot of different drivers here. I think um, I think that those are, are, and then this this demand from consumers for local, locally grown produce. I don't know, like, there's this thing I do in, in some presentations which is really just different regions of the world, and, and anybody can do this, but you just list the different regions, then you list on one column, so across the top, and then on another axis you list what are the drivers, right? Uh, food mm-hmm. safety, lack of water, uh, rapid urbanization. you know, what are the drivers? And, and you don't get check marks across every single region, right? You see places like the Middle East have a lot more drivers than other places um, for for indoor agriculture. So. I think that's an interesting exercise, and then you begin to understand why maybe all the farms might not be the same. <laughs> mm. You know, maybe there's maybe there's a reason for uh, mm-hmm. different vertical farms and, and, and greenhouses mm-hmm. versus vertical farms and soil-based farms. Versus, you know, you can begin to understand that there's a design consideration in agriculture. That and uh, and that's the part that I, I get really excited about. That part.
0: We can even coin that term, agriculture, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I, I, I heard somebody call it that <laughs> once before, uh, but I'm really glad you brought that up, you know. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it's about. I think, so not to plug our company too much, I think that's what we're about. We're, we're really saying urban agriculture is context-specific. And so let's go through the steps of answering the question of what that farm should look like and why and how it should function and what size it should be and how it should be operated. know
0: i think that's what i really like to do i uh yeah i i I love that I, i find that every time i give a talk in a different locale i find that some of the things you end up talking about in one region to another that may be completely different regions actually still have some of the same general concerns right it's food security or when you're in alaska or puerto rico they're actually similar food security issues because they're Island cultures that are separated from a mainland and, and climactically, albeit very different climates, make it challenging to grow this, the food you need year round. But then you have these these other areas that you bring in and you're talking about um, not just, you know, geographic food security issues, but um, geopolitical uh, food security issues um, or distribution challenges. Can you actually get access to food?
1: yeah and i think that diversity is so exciting and i think you're totally right and and, and to add to the complexity because it's pretty complex it's changing right so so a city can have one requirement one year right and then and then there could be some other driver um as a result of of, of the climate change economic change mm. and 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 i think that that can really change a lot of the main drivers that that might make an urban farm um be worthwhile yeah. be, be beneficial right. and so you know that that's what's interesting as well in the future right yeah. how is that going to shift and where and and who, who's going to be able to to be there and, and help that help answer the questions yeah. yeah so
0: so broad question i guess why why should urban farming even be a thing i feel like we've all really generally accepted <laughs> that that is you know we've got people moving to to cities we want local food it's fresher it's healthier it's safer there's a you know there's a there's a crop diversity argument that you can actually start to grow more things closer to the point of consumption and those are all good things, but I'm I'm curious about if you look ten years into into your um, crystal ball that you clearly have Henry um, like when the Hyperloop <laughs> becomes a thing why not just build in climates where you can build and have faster transportation faster safer transportation and better cold chain management like why not spend our time focusing on that why focus on distributed and urban farming
1: you know i think 10 years in the future yeah i I think that vision that you painted you know we might be getting very well close to that right and there might be automated farms and and really uh, so many proven approaches to this that's going to be much easier uh, to to develop but i think in the meantime it's going to be built on the backs of the pioneers right? The people who did this first, the Brooklyn Granges, the Gotham Greens, you know, a lot of people like you, Allison, and members of our collective. And I think that we're all building these blocks towards it. And someone might say, well, why? Like, why does it Why does it matter? And is it a thing? Like, why did it become a thing, like you said? And is that really justified? Well, you know, I think for me, it's not, the, the end isn't just urban agriculture, right? The end is something bigger. The end is 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 cities that are more resilient to climate change. I I feel very strongly that we're really past climate change mitigation and that we're in a stage of climate change adaptation. And so if that's true, then we really need to accelerate our responsiveness to that. I think urban agriculture plays a role in that. I think um you know, I think it's about the people above all for me. You know, I think about my trajectory in my career and where I could have gone. And I think how disconnected I was from nature and plants. And I think of what I've learned about sustainability from looking at plants and water and lights together as the food, water, energy nexus manifest in front of me in greenhouses and vertical farms. And I think about what that does for me as a professional and as a, as a contributor to society. And then I think about in the U.S., for example, I guess in Australia it's 52, but in the U.S. it's 58 is the average digital U.S. farmer, last time I checked. That's a problem, you know? I think that agriculture is part of that, but it's also the sciences in regards to, to growing food and, and, and how important it is that we understand that as a society in the face of the future that we face. And so I see often urban agriculture as like a gateway technology to more sustainable and, and, and more uh, professionals that can contribute through their career to sustainable enterprises. And I think there's other ways people can enter, for sure. But for me, urban agriculture is the one that inspires me. It's the one that's going to help the city look the way I want it to, feel the way I want it to. It's going to bring the the fresh produce that I'm excited to get, you know, the stuff I get once a week from Johnny at Square Roots. Like, I want that experience in, in the future city, and I want more of it. And I think it's better for us on a number of fronts. But I think one of the main ones today that justifies it alone is that number that discrepancy and and the number of young people that don't see agriculture as a viable pursuit or the number of, of of reduced less people every year in america that probably understand how to grow and produce and and, and sell food so I, that's really what it's about for me and i think i tech x embodies that i think my my focus on entrepreneurship uh, in my career embodies that and I think that you know it goes even deeper for that for me. My my mother is a really talented human resource manager. Always taught me that people are the most important part of your company. Mm. Doesn't matter how, what technology you have, doesn't matter your business model. If you don't have the best people and people that are with you all the time, uh, then then you don't really have a lot. And so I, I feel the same way about about my pursuits in urban agriculture and, and, and why it's a thing for me. <laughs>
0: what's the thing you're most excited about in this industry right now
1: oh the thing I'm most excited about in this industry right now yeah I and mean, I think honestly I've been really pulled recently into this idea of policy and and that I can I can help voice um, what matters to me in regards to the future city and and that, I, that other people can voice that too and then maybe I can be um, I can amplify their voices. And I, I feel like the relationships right now with the city of New York, uh, with the city of Atlanta, uh, conversations in, in in Los Angeles and, and, and New Zealand, I'm really believing that I, that I can help uh, larger stakeholders understand this industry better and help accelerate it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about empowering decision makers with, with, with responsible and, and, and accurate knowledge that's going to help them uh, make urban agriculture easier for all the entrepreneurs looking to get into space and, and that's change the industry for the better. I'm excited about
0: that, uh, to be honest. That's awesome. That's, that's super awesome. I think, uh, I mean, I love the policy side as well. And I think people have been yeah. paying attention for a long time, but I don't know that anybody really knew it was, it was, you know, five years ago, six years ago, this industry was, just really coming Mm -hmm. into, And now we're at this wonderful place where some of those early pioneers have been around for a while and have been showing that this works on a large scale or a small scale or in rural or urban or whatever it may be. They've been showing that the markets exist. They've been showing that the yields are what they say they are. Um, And so now it's a time where we can actually – take a lot of that knowledge and and like i said i th- like you said i think there's a need for that knowledge coming together in some way but you can take that knowledge and and use it for the better
1: yeah i think it needs to be done responsibly and i don't think that anybody can do it alone i think we need to as all of us who are advocates for the industry and we plan to stick around we need to be very vocal about best practices and we need to be very vocal about you know sticking together and 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 what matters to us because I think it's still the industry still is is that threat. You know, if it gets too inflated or hyped up, we could it could it could be damaged in other ways. And I think the policy part is is something I just was never familiar with. Or I mean, I guess that was when I was younger, I was curious about it a little bit. But you know, I never thought um, I never thought. You know, I think a lot of people are pessimistic about it. But I don't know. I I have a different feeling right now. I think that cities are leading the way across the world in 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 response to climate change uh, more than more than a lot of governments, and I think that that's where i'm gonna I'm gonna put my bet and, and and help them get there so you know we'll see I think we all need to contribute <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um so if you could recommend three resources to folks that are listening if they are interested in figuring more about this industry, where should
1: they go? hmm. Yeah, that's a great uh, question. I think I think Green Tech is a really exciting conference for anybody curious about the industry. Um, it happens twice a year, and it's happening in Amsterdam. And I think uh, to go visit the Netherlands and see the technology in action is a fantastic place to start and get yourself informed uh, with just some of the best experience and and equipment out there. Um, I think AgriHundred News is, an, is a is a great resource. I think that they. Uh, tell a lot of stories. I think they tell it in the right way. And I think they focus on the numbers, which is which is a really important thing to do. You know, they cover other things besides just vertical farming. I think that's a really good one. Um I can't plug one of mine, let me think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, okay, well, you know, I think if you're looking for a more lighthearted source for, for knowledge and information and what the realities are of of vertical farming, I think Rob Lang's posts. Uh, which he doesn't do that often. But I think his posts uh, from Farm One are, are humorous and very honest uh, about the reality of the industry. And <laughs> and I think that that's a really good thing to get and, uh, and pretty fun to read. Okay, and
0: then now to plug you, if I wanted to start an indoor farm or an urban farm and I really... You know, I I know you mentioned earlier that there's a form people can fill out. How do they get in touch with you? How do they fill that form out and assess themselves and figure out if this is really right for them?
1: Yeah, you can just go to agriculture.consulting, learn about our feasibility studies, which is our approach. It's really a comprehensive methodology to answer the question, should you start an urban farm and what kind of urban farm you should start? And a lot of the details to help you draft your business plan and, and pursue investment or make the decision on, on your own investment. So it's very easy, you can just inquire there, would be happy to talk to you. Um, if you're looking for something lighter and something you wanna get started on earlier, we teach a really great short version of our feasibility studies at our monthly commercial urban farming classes. And you can just go to agriculturecom slash events to look at those. And those are $9.95 for two days. You get to visit a greenhouse, a vertical farm. We help you build out your first version of your deck and, and give you some mentorship. It's a great time.
0: All right everyone. that brings us to the end of episode 2. If you'd like more information about the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the description and on our blog at medium.com/agrilist. Atlanta, the conference Henry organizes, is in Atlanta and will be held this March 27th and 28th. I'll be there. join us if you can. Thank you again to Henry for joining us this episode. This has been episode two of Growing Up. If you have any topics or guests you'd love to hear from, let me know. Thanks so much for listening. This is Allison. Until next time.